the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. If we look to the answer as to why for so many years we achieved so much, prospered as no other people on earth, it was because here in this land we unleashed the energy and individual genius of man to a greater extent than has ever been done before. Those who say that we're in a time when there are no heroes, they just don't know where to look. The sloping hills of Arlington National Cemetery, with its row upon row of simple white markers, bearing crosses or stars of David, they add up to only a tiny fraction of the price that has been paid for our freedom. As for the enemies of freedom, those who are potential adversaries, they will be reminded that peace is the highest aspiration of the American people. We will negotiate for it, sacrifice for it. We will not surrender for it now or ever. We are Americans. This is the Bob France Authority on AM 1420. The answer. Yes, indeed, it is. Good morning, seven minutes after the hour of nine o'clock, and we are underway on this Friday. It's the fifth morning of the 11th month of the year of our Lord, 2021. Loaded up today. i tell you point blank, loaded up. Again, you're going to have to find your spots. Pick your spots and hit it where they ain't today. They're going to start out at 935 when we talk with Dr. John Lott. Dr. Lott is an expert when it comes to um, the Second Amendment, as well as concealed carry laws, and the Supreme Court is going to hear a huge case on concealed carry next week. How can you protect yourself? Will you be allowed to protect yourself? Will there be limitations on how you can protect yourself and your family when you're outside your home, carrying a gun outside the home for protection? It's being challenged in the Supreme Court, and John Lott is going to tell us how that's going to go and how it should go, at least in his view. So that'll be coming up at 935. He's the president of the Crime Prevention Research Center. We've had him on before. He's great. 1010. Kevin Hassett will join us. He's a former Trump advisor, senior advisor and chairman on the Council of Economic Advisors in the Trump administration. His new book is The Drift, Stopping America's Slide to Socialism. I think we made a good, good stride in that direction on Tuesday in a few different very important races. But obviously there is much, much work to become uh, to be done in order to stop the slide into socialism. So Kevin Hassett from the Trump administration, Council of Economic Advisors, will join us talking about that. Then at 1035, we will talk, of course, <clears throat> with Christina Hagan. And we will get her reaction to the top news stories of the day, including and especially our top story, which is Vax mandates on the way. Or shall I call them what they are? Big pharmaceutical company profit shots on the way. January 4th, it's being laid out. And as soon as it gets entered into the Federal Register by the uh, by OSHA, it will be the law of the land. 
And that, of course, is unless and until there are going to be a huge number of lawsuits filed getting an immediate injunction to stop that plan from taking effect. So we're going to talk about that, as well as the first of its kind. You knew it didn't take long, did it? Took a day and a half for the first mandate for children ages 5 to 11 to get the Pfizer profit shot. Or you don't get to go into McDonald's and play in the playroom anymore. You don't get to go get yourself a Happy Meal. You don't get to go into a gym. You don't get to go anywhere. Ages 5 to 11. It just became available from the FDA under emergency authorization, as you know. And already the first mandate is in place. And, of course, it comes from the land of, I won't say, uh, in California. San Francisco is the first to do that. So we're going to talk to uh, her about what they're doing to kids about the vax mandates for all of us and more. So three great guests today, John Lott, Kevin Hassan, and we will talk to Christina Hagen as well. For now, before we get into the news of the day, what do you say we stand and pledge our allegiance to this wonderful republic? The one that we have to try to reclaim. The one whose freedom we have lost. That's right. We have lost the freedom that this country once provided us. We are no longer free as soon as OSHA's order gets in place and as soon as children are mandated to take toxins into their body that are unproven in terms of what is going to happen to them. We are no longer a free country. And if too many of us say that out loud, we get our freedom of speech suspended, suppressed, censored. So we have to find a way to fight to get our republic back. And that's one of the reasons why we commit ourselves to it with our pledge every day. So, Patriots, stand. Go ahead and face your flag if you have one. Put your hand on your heart. Leftists, Biden voters, San Francisco city officials, anybody else that is taking liberty away from Americans, go ahead and take a knee during the Pledge of Allegiance. We know how you feel. I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America and to the republic for which it stands, one nation, under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. So that is indeed going to be our lead story today. Kind of a co-lead, really. Yeah, yeah. Could I could I call it a three-way tie? Kind of a three-way tie, I guess, because you have the child mandate now in San Francisco. You have the employer mandate coming from OSHA. And you have that for about the ninth time. Nancy Pelosi is pledging a vote on the Democrats' socialist wish list known as the Budget Reconciliation Bill. So according to Nancy Pelosi, they're not being hindered by their massive loss, the beating that they took on Tuesday night. They're not bothered by it. They're going to continue with their Build Back Better bull uh, with a vote today. At least that is their that is their plan. Now, she's made that announcement, like I said, several times before, and it never came to pass because they just don't have the votes on the Senate side. And it makes no sense to pass it on the House side if they're going to send it over to the Senate and have Joe Manchin and Kirsten Sinema say, uh, no, stop it right there. And by the way, <laughs> Senator Joe Manchin might as well be fitted for a cape if he continues to hold out because he is a true superhero he is a true superhero he will not let these massive democrat pork project green new deal starter kit uh, budget reconciliation bills go through and he will not let them eliminate the filibuster 
so that they can have a simple majority, even if he did want to vote for such things. Joe Manchin is wearing a hero's cape, or at least he needs to be fitted for one. And I'm going to tell you, this is exactly what I said to you. I'll remind you, back in November and December of last year, after they stole the election from President Trump, I gave a speech. Uh, the first one in which I talked about this in depth in person was at Medina County Friends and Neighbors, McFan, I think in January. But I said it on the radio a number, of, a number of times as well. A lot of people were lost in hope and despair. A lot of people just had their heads down, uh, just trying to wonder what in the world is going to happen now because they stole the election from President Trump. They have the Congress. What are we going to do? And I remember talking very, I probably still have the speech saved somewhere in a Word document. But I talked about how we cannot despair to the point of just giving up. What we have to do is make sure we don't drown. I made a swimming analogy. I don't know why. I'm not a swimmer. I sink like a stone. But I made the swimming analogy. I said, you know, you're not going to swim against a Democrat tide once they have taken control and gain any ground or gain any distance. You're not going to swim against it. You just can't. But that doesn't mean you drown. We just needed to tread water, I said, for two years. Tread water and hope that the most ambitious Democrat uh, attacks on our country, the most ambitious legislation to do what Barack Obama promised, which was a fundamental transformation, a fundamental change in this constitutional republic, we just have to we have to tread water and hope that there's one or two members of the the Senate, which is a fifty fifty split, that will stop the most radical of legislation getting through. And I identified not that I was again breaking new ground here, but I identified Joe Manchin and I told what you what you should do, and I did it too. I said contact your own senators, contact your own state rep- or House representatives rather. And ask them to reach across from one chamber to the other, or from one side to the other, or whatever the case may be, and encourage Joe Manchin to just not be a part of a radical transformation of America. I said to you, Joe Manchin isn't going to vote with us 100% of the time. He's a Democrat, albeit a moderate one. He is going to vote against us a number of times. He's going to side with the left and the progressives in that party, sometimes. But if we can get Joe Manchin to just hold off on the serious stuff as we tread water and try not to drown, if we can get him to not join the cause to end the filibuster, if we can get him to not join the cause to creating a a 51st and 52nd state in Washington, D.C. and Puerto Rico, thus four more Senate seats for the Liberal Democrats. If we can get him to hold off on stacking the court, or packing the court, I guess is the phrase that's more common, changing the Supreme Court from 9 to 11 to 13 to 15, or whatever number it is that the Democrats are going to be happy with when they get to appoint uh, a handful more uh, to sit on that court until they're really satisfied with their massive, massive leftist majority. If we can stop Manchin... From greenlighting things like the Green New Deal, if we're at not stop Mansion, if we can encourage Mansion to stop these things from happening and tread water until November of 2022, we can reverse this.
Well, we're 12 months into that 24-month plan. It's November of 2021. They, they stole the election from Donald Trump in November of 2020. Twelve months in, everything that we talked about is happening. The biggest, most dangerous legislation, ambitious legislation that Nancy Pelosi and Chuck Schumer and Joe Biden and Kamala Harris have come up with has hit the, the, the firewall that is Joe Manchin, along with Kirsten Cinema as well. But it's hit the firewall. And Joe Manchin has essentially said, you know what, um, I'm never going to go for this. It's gotten to the point where he has considered disassociating himself from the Democrat Party. It's gotten to the point where Joe Manchin has talked about not being a Democrat anymore and, in fact, registering as an independent and then caucusing, possibly, with the Republicans. Possibly. That's not a dis- you know determined situation yet. But that's how it has gone. It's exactly what we said had to have happen. It is happening. And so Joe Manchin uh, now is getting harassed, getting attacked, getting screamed at, getting assaulted, because now Nancy Pelosi wants to introduce this um, $1.75 trillion. They call it a scaled-back bill. It's not a scaled-back budget reconciliation bill. It's just a shorter one. And then, instead of having it for 10 years, they'll only use it for five. And then in five years, they'll say, hey, you know, we have to renew this, right? So they get exactly what they wanted. And Joe Manchin is going to be, again, the key, the key voice and the key name here if it does get past Nancy Pelosi's house and gets into Chuck Schumer's Senate. And so they're attacking him. They surrounded his uh, parking car, or parking car, his car in a parking garage uh, yesterday, screaming at him, screaming at him about passing the, uh, this bill and about supporting this bill. Screaming at, 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 at him about not doing enough for climate. Screaming, about, screaming at him about putting all of their lives in danger. See, this is what leftists do. They don't believe in winning with ideas. They don't believe in winning with debate. They win with intimidation, with attacks, with assaults, etc. That's what they do. Well, so far, Joe Manchin has been the guy that has held the line. Kirsten Cinema too, but I don't know that she's under quite the same pressure, although we saw her get assaulted in a bathroom, too, chased in there by lunatic uh, uh, illegal aliens, demanding that she vote to legalize all of them. But, you know, these two individuals, largely Manchin, but certainly the two of them can, can co- coexist here as, as a duo, they have been stalwart in their resolve to make sure that what is done is done for the best betterment of the country and not for the betterment of their party. And for that, they should be applauded. All right, so that's we'll see what happens with that. Uh, we'll also see what happens with the mandates, which, again, I want to talk about next, right here on AM 1420, The Answer. Okay. Good Friday to you. I want to continue the monologue here. We've got a guest coming up at uh, 9.35, uh, John Lott. Dr. John Lott is going to join us to talk about a massive Supreme Court case involving concealed carry. It's going to be heard on, uh, next week, and so uh, this is a perfect time to kind of lay the groundwork for that. But I, I do want to talk about <clears throat> the mandates, two mandates in particular, of course. The first one now is, according to uh, the White House, the OSHA, that OSHA, 
is all set to issue Joe Biden's actual mandate, the one that he has been threatening, where employers who have 100 workers or more must indeed make sure that that workforce is fully vaccinated. Otherwise, they could be fined anywhere from $1,000 to $10,000 to $100,000 per incident, talking about the employer. That's how they are being intimidated and forced into making employees do something they do not want to do, or they may not want to do. And then the employers themselves, of course, are threatened with, um, you know, being fired if they don't comply because the employers cannot be forced to do that. So the employees and the employers are in serious jeopardy here with this mandate. Fortunately, there are remedies to this in a court of law. I mentioned the Supreme Court. Well, uh, let's hope this one gets fast-tracked, that an injunction is granted and that it moves its way through the system and gets up up to the Supreme Court sooner rather than later. That is what uh, a number of attorneys general, some 16 attorneys general, immediately announced that their lawsuit would be filed as soon as the OSHA order uh, is entered into the Federal Register. So we've got lawsuit potential lawsuit remedies to try to stop people from losing their job. Maybe you're one of them. My wife is one of them. My wife is on the line here. She's not taking that jab. She's already had COVID. She has antibodies just like I do, just like so many people listening right now. She's not doing it. So uh, there are so many people I know within the sound of my voice right now whose livelihoods are in jeopardy over this. And there are lawsuits all over the place. They're being filed by attorneys general in, in the states. They're also being filed by private businesses, including the Daily Wire, conservative media outlet. They filed a lawsuit yesterday against the federal government over this order, uh, as well as the Dillon Law Group, Alliance Defending Freedom, they filed, they filed uh, the legal tra- challenges. Oh, I'm sorry, not separately, but actually coordinated with the Daily Wire. They're representing the Daily Wire in the U.S. Court of Appeals in the Sixth Circuit. The mandate requires all private employers of 100 or more employees to force unvaccinated employees to receive the vaccine or be subject to weekly testing at the expense of the worker or lose their job. And those tests, I've read, can cost anywhere in the neighborhood of $80 per test. So 80 times four weeks in a month, it's $320 hit you would be taking if you choose not to get vaccinated and subject yourself to the test instead. Most middle-class Americans could never do that. They would end up losing their jobs or be forced to take a potentially very dangerous, unproven toxin into their bodies created by a company that is interested in only, and I mean only, profit. And this is according to their own workers, talking about the terrorist group known as Pfizer. The Daily Wire will not comply with President Biden's tyrannical vaccine mandate, and we are suing the Biden administration to put a stop to their gross overreach. President Biden, the federal government, social media, and the establishment media have conspired to rob Americans of their freedoms in the name of public health. They have broken faith with the American people through conflicting messaging, false information, and by suppressing data and perspectives with which they disagree. And that is the fact of the matter. The side that says, follow the science, we're just following the science. This is best in the best interest of the people because the science says so. They don't have the science. And when they get conflicting science, conflicting scientific research results, they bury it. And they bury the individuals who brought it forth. That's not science. This is forced compliance. It's why I continue to sell those T-shirts. It is not science. It is about compliance. 
And you can pick those up, by the way, and order those at uh, alwayswrite.us, alwayswrite.us. So lawsuits are flying. So are critical commentaries, critical uh, comments from some very prominent people about these massive mandates. Florida Governor Ron DeSantis said this. Well, good afternoon. A year and a half ago, we started with 15 days to slow the spread, and, and now it's gone to get jabbed or lose your job. And today's OSHA rule, a uh, very long time coming, we were, we were waiting for it, uh, that was issued. If you look at it, uh, here it is. It's almost 500 pages. And so we're supposed to be a government of laws, not a government of men. Uh, this is 500 pages of a government of a bureaucracy, a government that is being run by executive edict, not in accordance with the typical constitutional processes. Run by executive edict from a man, Joe Biden, who is carrying in his mind not a pen but a scepter. He can wave it and impose his will upon all of us in what used to be a free country. Um, Ron DeSantis is exactly correct. The other mandate, real quickly before the bottom of the hour news, is as I mentioned before, San Francisco, the city of San Francisco, just two days after the FDA and the CDC greenlit the Pfizer shot, the Pfizer profit jab, the Pfizer toxins for children ages 5 to 10, or 5 to 11, rather, made them available. That's one thing which is just simply impossible to justify, considering they were made available under emergency authorization use for a population, children 5 to 11, for which there is no emergency. The number of children actually being impacted by COVID-19 or impacting other people by COVID-19 is statistically insignificant, meaning less than 1%, less than nothing, But they made it available now, and available automatically became mandatory in the city of San Francisco. They are the first in the U.S. that have declared they're going to require vaccination proof for children, vax cards, vax passports for children ages 5 to 11 to go indoors in public spaces. Your children are going to be experimented on if you want to take them into a restaurant, if you want to take them into a, a playhouse, into a gym, into a preschool, into whatever. They cannot go in unless they are vaccinated, and yet they are absolutely not impacted by COVID-19. More of them are dying from pneumonia and seasonal influenza than even close by COVID-19. No mandates, by the way, are coming for pneumonia and influenza. And that's because Pfizer hasn't figured out a way, a way to make that happen yet. Demonic, evil, cabal, Pfizer, BioNTech, and the FDA. All right, it's 930. We'll get news now. We'll come back and talk about guns and a way you can protect yourself when you need to. When police aren't going to be around, especially in the city of Cleveland, Dr. John Lott will join us next to talk about that Supreme Court fight coming next week right here on AM 1420, The Answer. Take your baby by the wrist. Giving woke America a wake-up call, courtesy of the Bob France Authority on AM 1420, The Answer. 
Okay, 937. Thanks again for being with us. We'll come back to Vax mandates. We'll talk about what they're doing to our children, the experimentation. Again, I think uh, I think Dr. Fauci and uh, Dr. Mengele might have been kindred spirits. They literally are going to be experimenting on children. Mengele did. Fauci and crew are about to do that. And this, of course, comes to you courtesy of the FDA, which admitted as much. But let's shift now. Let's talk about protecting ourselves uh, in a different way. The Second Amendment, of course, is under constant attack from the American left, which simply does not understand the Constitution or the Bill of Rights. Uh, and now they are trying to limit your ability to protect yourself and your family and your property to in your home. The Supreme Court is now taking up a New York case, which demand that uh, which uh, uh, in which I should say. Uh, opponents of concealed carry are demanding that people must provide a proper cause. They have to provide a good reason to carry their gun outside the home for protection. Apparently, the Second Amendment and the language of the Constitution is not reason enough. So the Supreme Court is taking up this very important case. And given the fact that police officers all over the country are under serious scrutiny, and many of them are essentially leaving the profession, your ability to defend yourself is more important now than ever. Joining us now to discuss this is Dr. John Lott. Dr. Lott is the president of the Crime Prevention Research Center. He was also the senior advisor for research and statistics at the U.S. Department of Justice's Office of Legal Policy. Dr. Lott, good to have you on our program. How are you, sir? Doing great. Good to talk to you. So let's uh, try to summarize, uh, if you can for us, Dr. Lott, in this case uh, before the Supreme Court, uh, tell us what the uh, the litigants are claiming would be, or are they suggesting we would have to show as proper cause or good reason for us to be able to do what the Constitution tells us we can do? Well, uh, it was kind of arbitrary exactly what the reasons is. I mean, you have individual... Uh, either judges or sheriffs or police chiefs uh, who make that decision whether or not somebody uh, has a good enough reason for being able to go and defend themselves outside the home. And one of the points in the case that really wasn't argued against very much was uh, the fact that you can have two different judges in the same county who will look at the same set of facts and come to very different decisions whether somebody has a good reason or not. But the main thing in in New York and uh, six other states that have these types of May issue rules, including California and New Jersey and Maryland, uh, is that uh, uh, you just can't go and say that you live in a dangerous neighborhood. They claim that you have to have specific threats against you. And, uh, you know, obviously there are plenty of cases one can go and point to where People had specific death threats and still uh, were not allowed to defend themselves. There are cases where uh, women have had uh, 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 restraining orders against others and not still not been allowed to go and get a gun uh, to be able to carry for self-defense. But there are two basic arguments that were raised yesterday. One was um, public safety. Uh, New York was claiming that this was important to restrict uh, the issuance of concealed carry in order to preserve public safety. And, of course, um, the other side, Paul Clement, would go and say, look, we got 43 other states that don't have this restriction. Um, you know, there are large, many large cities uh, that ha- don't have this restriction, and we don't have the problems that you claim. I mean, anybody who's followed the right-to-carry law debate over time knows that when different states have passed these laws, 
there have been predictions, just like the state of New York was making, that there would be disasters that would be occurring, that there would be blood in the streets, that people would be behaving irresponsibly. And yet, you know, that's never happened. And none of the states that have adopted right to carry or constitutional carry, um, has there even been a legislative hearing to undo that part of the rules, to make it so that there would be the discretion again. And the second part of the argument that came up was, uh, as uh, Chief Justice Roberts was asking, and others once, uh, Kavanaugh, was saying, look, what other part of the Bill of Rights do you have to go and provide a good reason to some public official why you should be able to exercise that? If you're going to be a reporter, do you have to go and get approval uh, before you can become a reporter uh, in, from some public official? Or if you're going to have a church, do you have to go and get approval from some public official that they think you have a good reason for the church? Or make a speech? Do you have to go and get a license and approval and, and demonstrate a good reason? I mean, none of those even require a license, let alone uh, require that you have to go and get public approval uh, for the, you know you as a person or for the reason why you want to exercise those things. So those those were two of the major things that were there, and I think most people who listen to the arguments think that. Uh, at least on the question that was before the court, and that is whether or not a good reason needs to be provided, I think New York's going to lose. Yeah, I've uh, I've been looking at some of the coverage of that and just looking at analyses, and uh, I agree. It looks like the majority of people who are writing about this, who are watching it closely, are saying that the court kind of has signaled that they will strike down these restrictions. We're talking with John Lott, by the way, Dr. John Lott, uh, who is the president of the Crime Prevention Research Center, about this uh, about this um, a new law in New York that is being challenged now before the Supreme Court. You wrote a book 23 years ago uh, called More Guns and Less Crime, which dealt with right to carry. Is What has changed from two decades ago to today as it pertains to, uh, you know, again, concealed carry or even open carry, but public, car- public carrying of weapons outside of the home for protection? All right. Well, in fact, uh, my book, More Guns, Less Crime, from the University of Chicago Press, uh, dealt specifically with the issue that was before the court, and that is uh, what happens when you move from a may-issue type law to uh, a so-called right-to-carry or shall-issue type law. And uh, one thing you see is a lot more people getting concealed handgun permits, uh, but you see drops in crime just as higher arrest rates or higher conviction rates or longer prison sentences make it riskier for criminals to go and commit crime. The fact that a would-be victim might be able to go and defend themselves also makes it riskier for criminals to commit crime and deter crime. And what you find is that permit holders are incredibly Uh, law-abiding. We had a lot in the book in the three editions. The last one came out in 2010. Uh, But uh, in the Crime Prevention Research Center, uh, you can see our reports at crimeresearch.org. You look at the most recent data from Texas and Florida, and you find that uh, concealed carry permit holders are convicted of firearms-related violations at one-twelfth the rate that the police officers are. I mean, police officers are rarely convicted of firearm-related violations, 
no crimes committed with firearms. Uh, they're convicted at one twentieth the rate of the general population. Uh, it's like five percent of the rate of the general population, but permit holders are convicted at a much, much lower rate than uh, even police officers are. So, you know, the types of fears that were raised in uh, in the hearing uh, on Wednesday are no different than what you see in legislative debates. And, and as I say, you look at legislative debates in the aftermath, you know, normally you'll see like six months after a right to carry law has been adopted or constitutional carry law has been adopted, uh, you'll see news stories saying, well, you know, what's happened? Or a year after, you'll see what happens. And time after time, uh, they say none of the bad predictions have occurred, and it becomes a non-issue in the state. Nobody even tries to overturn the law. Uh, Dr. Lott, um, we're talking with John Lott again about the Supreme Court hearing the case uh, of uh, in New York uh, challenging the right of citizens to concealed carry without a good justifiable reason, according to whom, I guess, judges they would have to prove that to. You filed an amicus brief uh, in this case in support of, uh, of, of gun rights, and I want to read just a very short portion of it. You've kind of covered some of it, too, with statistics, but I just want to give it a little detail on this. Survey of the empirical academic regression literature finds that 25 studies have found that right-to-carry laws reduce violent crime. 15 studies find no significant effect. 12 find that right-to-carry laws increase violent crime. Additionally, the 12 studies that find increases suffer a systematic error to varying degrees. They tend to focus on the last 20 years and fail to consider that the states which passed concealed carry laws in that time period have stricter rules and less permit growth than other states that they are being compared to. So their findings uh, that crime rose in such states is consistent with permit holders reducing crime. Um, explain that a little bit further, because it would seem to be, you know, there's a little bit of good and a little bit of bad with those studies, but still a, a, a strong majority of, of uh, crime reduction in states in which people are allowed to open carry, or to, uh, I should say, to uh, uh, openly carry. Right. Well, I guess I don't think that there's the bad part, even for the minority of studies. So when you're looking, I don't. At I, don't I shouldn't say bad. I get, if I may, right. if I may, I, I yeah, no, clarify I the statement there. Just the 15 yeah, found no effect explain. whatsoever. So I'm going right, to. I'm going to explain. Okay. So uh, when you do these studies, you're seeing how the crime rate changes when a state adopts a right to carry law relative to other states. And uh, if you're looking at just the later period of time, you're you're looking at how a new state adopting the law changes relative to states who who had their law prior to the period of time that you're looking at, and and when you're looking at let's say after 2000, uh, you have only a few states that changed their law after 2000, and so you're comparing them. Uh, to, you know, let's say 47 states uh, before 2000. And and the vast majority of those states already had uh, right-to-carry laws. And so, uh, and the thing is also that uh, the later states are much more restrictive in, in terms of who they led carrying. So, for example, Illinois is the last right state to adopt right-to-carry laws in 2013. And... Uh, it costs $450 to go through the process to get a concealed handgun uh, permit. Um, 
Illinois only has about 4% of the adult population with a concealed handgun permit. Neighboring Indiana uh, has over 20% of the adult population with a concealed handgun permit. Uh, they don't charge any fee. They adopted their law in, like, 1927. And uh, and so uh, the thing is... Uh, while well, we've been seeing an explosion in the number of concealed handgun permits in the country, we have now over 21.5 million concealed handgun permits. Uh, the problem that you face is that you've had a much smaller increase in these later states. And so uh, when you're comparing just the later states to all these earlier states, you've had many more permits, a greater percentage increase in the adult population with the permits in the earlier states. And so you would expect crime to go up in the in the later states that issue few permits relative to the earlier states, which are issuing a lot of permits uh, over the last 20 years. And so you'd expect the crime rate in, in the later states to go up by more or mm -hmm. at least not fall as much as uh, as the earlier states. Yeah, one would think that that's what you would expect. I completely agree. And the last question I have for you, Dr. John Lott, about this is more of a common sensible one. Um, you know, they're arguing that there should be a good reason. And as you pointed out in your opening remarks, uh, maybe a specific threat, a death threat or a threat of violence against you that you would have to prove as to why you should be allowed to carry a, a weapon uh, outside of your home. And, and as far as I'm concerned, a, a news story is a threat enough for me. If I see a carjacking on the news in my city, if I see a mugging, if I see a, an invasion in, in a store, if I see a, a mass shooting event in a in any particular location I might be in, all of those are enough for me to say I am potentially in in you know uh, receiving a threat here because the public isn't safe. I'm part of the public. That means I'm threatened. That means my Second Amendment rights kick in here, and I have a right to carry something to defend myself. Am I just oversimplifying that? Well, I mean, I think that if somebody's been specifically threatened, there have been cases where people haven't been allowed to to get a gun, even in those cases. But they haven't allowed people who live in dangerous neighborhoods to say, look, there's a lot of crime in my neighborhood. In fact, uh, that was one of the arguments that one of uh, the people who were denied in the New York case tried to make. Um uh, to me, the bottom line is uh, who do they give permits to when you have this kind of uh, good reason rule that's there? And what you find is it's basically wealthy, politically connected uh, white males who go and get the permit, not the people who are most likely victims of crime, uh, poor blacks who live in high-crime urban areas. Uh, I was able to get the names of all the permit holders in Los Angeles County from a few years ago. Uh, they had a total of 341 concealed handgun permits issued in a county of about 8 million adults. And uh, what you find is only 7% of the permit holders were women, only 5% were black, only 6% were Hispanic. Uh, nationwide, if you look at the right-to-carry states, almost 20% of, or, I mean, 30% of the concealed handgun permits are women. Uh, about 12% uh, of the permit holders are, are black. Uh, so, you know, the right to carry or constitutional carry states, as long as you meet certain rules, so, for example, you don't have any criminal convictions, 
uh, right. you know, you're allowed to go and get a concealed handgun permit. Yeah, and, th- and, and those restrictions you. are common sense, particularly, you know, if you if you're, you know have a felony record and those kinds of things. Those are common sense, I understand that. But for average Americans, um, it looks like, hopefully, the Supreme Court is going to err on the side here, not err, but are going to decide uh, in favor of constitutional carry and the rights of people to defend themselves without specific threats being identified before a judge. And Dr. Lott, terrific analysis of the situation. Thank you so very much for, so very much for your time this morning. Thank you. All right, 9.54 here. We'll take our time out and come right back. AM 1420, The Answer. All right, 9.58. Thanks to uh, John Lott. Uh, great conversation with him. Coming up at 10.10, we're going to talk to Kevin Hassett to try to stop the uh, American slide into socialism. That's actually the title of his book, The Drift, Stopping America's Slide into Socialism. So that's coming up. Meantime, let's get a call or two in here before the top. Mike is in Lakewood on AM 1420, The Answer. Mike, good morning. Go right ahead. Yeah, uh, rather than comparing Dr. Fauci to Dr. Mengele, wouldn't it be more accurate to compare Trump to Hitler? I mean, didn't Hitler come to power by saying Germany didn't lose World War One? They were cheated out of it. And then he promoted the beer hall pooch just the way Trump promoted the capital pooch. There's your comparison. That might be one of the dumbest things that anybody's ever said on a radio station. Do you know what Dr. Oh, Mengele did? Dumb? Do you, why well, is be, that because, dumb? Because it is 1,000% inaccurate. The Joseph Mengele to Dr. Fauci comparison is accurate. Would you like to hear why? Yeah, how many, uh, how many Would you like to hear why? Dr. Fauci, how many Would you like did Dr. to hear Fauci why? escort to a gas chamber? Okay, well, Tell no, me, how many children me, did Dr. Mengel, Fauci Mengel, escort to a gas chamber? Okay, you, you need to shut up and listen, Mike, because you sound dumber with no, each word that you say. Well, no, Mike, you keep listening and let me... Let, Trump and Hitler. I'm, because your comparison is completely absurd with zero foundation. No, it's not. Okay, thank you for the call, Mike. Keep listening. In Flakewood, which is kind of what I expect. Dr. Fauci experimented on children. Dr. Mengele experimented on children under the guise of advancing medical knowledge. People think that Dr. Fauci is only guilty of torturing and killing beagle puppies in the name of medical research. People think that Dr. Fauci is guilty only of funding gain-of-function research, which allowed diseases to be uh, spread from, from animals to human beings to see what happens with their systems. Dr. Fauci is also guilty of flat-out experimentation on defenseless children. If you haven't heard about Dr. Fauci's NIH funding experiments on orphans in New York City in 2004, educate yourself. Because the Fauci NIH approved experiments on orphans in New York City who did not have parents who would have to sign off, that's why they're orphans, on this experimentation. Government agencies and pharmaceutical companies used the orphans in deadly AIDS drug trials. They didn't use bunnies. They didn't use mice. They used human children. And according to the results of the study... 29 per, no, let me do this again here. 25 children died during the actual studies. An additional 55 children died following the studies in foster care. 
And according to the Director of Child Welfare Program at Vera, as of 2009, 29% of the remaining 417 children that Fauci had experimented on, who were used in these studies, also died out of a total of 532 that were admitted to have been used. Dr. Mengele tortured and killed children for medical research. Dr. Fauci has done the same thing. That is a, that is a valid comparison. And your insane Trump derangement syndrome, comparing him to Adolf Hitler, well, it just essentially proves where you're from. We'll be right back. Star General Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com. <laughs> 